0: You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialized fiction written and read by Tansy Bader Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. A little bit of behind the scenes when I first started writing this as a serial on my blog, I decided that the best way to not worry too much about structure in order to write a novel serially. Um, was to copy the original structure of the book, which was also written serially. Uh, if I forget, if Dumas didn't mind about it, I, I wouldn't care about it. Uh, so every chapter of Musketeer Space exactly follows a chapter of the original novel with obvious changes to plot, world building and storytelling. But from a narrative point of view, it covers the same material. This chapter is the only exception to that. And that's because at this point in the novel, Dumas, obviously, I don't know. I think maybe he wanted a bit of a break from what had been going on. Maybe he was (laughs) having a bit of writer's block. I don't know. He writes five chapters in a row from Milady's point of view uh, about her being captured. Uh, 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 Rather, about her sort of uh, incarcerated and the very, very slow progression of the next few narrative points. I just couldn't spend five weeks doing that. So I sped things up a bit, which is why this chapter, chapter 52, five days of captivity. Then, um, yeah. So then from now on after this, it'll go back to the one chapter for one chapter, which is how I ended up writing a 62 chapter novel. I don't want to say by accident, but, uh, yeah. Partly it was out of my hands, people. All right. Musketeer Space, chapter 52 Five Days of Captivity. Marshal Felton was a problem. Milord had been imprisoned many times under many circumstances, but he was currently short on allies, and every guard on the island was aware that he had the ability to change his shape and his face. His room at the top of the tower was locked. The windows had turned out to be sealed. Plexiglass, of course. Most new aristocrats on valour were willing to sacrifice history and traditional grandeur for security and convenience. No, the only way my lord was getting out of here was with the help of an ally and the only one with the clearance to make it happen was the flat-eyed, suspicious and thoroughly sulky marshal who was in charge of security around here. How to crack Felton. She was as dry and resistant as the grey rock that had been hewn into this isolated tower. On an island so far north you could taste ice in the air. But every soldier had a breaking point; she would crack sooner or later. On the first day of captivity, Milord sat quietly, and responded obediently to every order. He did not try to scare Marshal Felton, or show her any face other than the one he had so carefully constructed for his identity as Vaniel de Winter, after losing his life as the younger and more cynical Auden d'Auteville. Milord had won many hearts and opened many doors with this face. There was something about humanity and their susceptibility to a fine pair of cheekbones that he should report back to his own people sooner or later. If cheekbones could be weaponized, conquering humans would be easy. Milord composed himself outwardly while his inner heart burned with rage, Rage against D'Artagnan, against Olivier, no, Athos. It was Athos, the musketeer, who had brought him so low this time around. Olivier was as dead as the husband he had ruthlessly executed. He waited. Finally, the security web on the door hummed in response to a code, and the door swirled open to reveal the implacable figure of Marshal Felton holding a food tray. Milord examined her through his sweeping eyelashes, considering the possibilities. I don't think I can eat, he whispered. No? Felton banged the tray on the plain table in the corner. What's wrong with you? I couldn't begin to say. As Felton turned her back on him, Milord made his move. He slumped forward and fell to the floor in a dead faint. Milord awoke to hear an argument happening over his head. "'What kind of amateur are you?' demanded the dulcet tones of Vaniel's sister-in-law. "'Pretending to faint is the oldest trick in the book. I thought you were smarter than to fall for a literal slapstick routine.' "'He wasn't pretending,' Felton said hotly, "'The medic confirmed he was unconscious. "'I told you no one was to enter this room except you and I, "'and it took him less than a day to compromise your instructions. "'What's next? "'Am I going to find you braiding him an escape rope with your own hair? "'No more medics. "'No unauthorised personnel. "'I shudder to think what he could have done with access to medical equipment.' There are rules on how to treat prisoners, Felton replied. I will not break those rules simply because he is not human, B said. He has betrayed everything about our race and our planet. You cannot treat him like some common or garden prisoner. Spy, traitor, alien, whatever he is, we should treat him honourably said Felton. Honourable is not the same as stupid, said B. Stop pretending, Manuel. I know you're awake. Milord opened his eyes and stretched lazily. He lay on the floor with what felt like a bruise across the top of his face. He had induced his entire body into a legitimate faint, knowing that bruising was a possibility. It all sold the story of his misery. What did I miss? There will be no more swooning, B said flatly. We have been charged to keep you imprisoned until representatives from the fleet collect you. It is the only way that the de Winter family can escape retribution for harbouring an alien spy in the first place. Milord rubbed his face. When you say family, you don't mean those... Cousins you pretend to be polite to at parties, do you? You mean Morgan? Don't speak her name. b snapped and stormed out of the cell. Felton, if you disappoint me again, do not expect further employment on valour or anywhere else in the solar system for the rest of the day. Felton brought him every meal on a tray, and Milord said nothing. On the second day of captivity, when Marshal Felton brought in the breakfast t- tray, Milord lord saw the star. It was a tiny thing, tattooed on the inside of the wrist and all but concealed by the sweeping sleeve of the uniform, but it was enough. The tray contained basic rations, a glass of juice, only the supper tray included wine, and two elemental bowls, one filled with earth and one with water. The Countess of Clarick insisted you have these, Felton said quietly. The prisoner's charter requires you to be provided with the basic tools of worship. I'm afraid she would not trust you with a flame. Milord shoved the tray away, so that the elemental bowls knocked together and nearly spilled. She mocks me. She knows I do not share her religion. There, a flicker of interest from the marshal, a hairline crack in her armour. Indeed, what religion do they follow in your world? You mock me too, my lord said angrily. She calls me alien, though she has no evidence but the lies of a man who wants to destroy me. I am as human as you are, Marshal Felton, and I follow the stars. Felton tilted her head to one side you belong to the church of all. There was sympathy in her eyes. One more thing that woman has taken from me. My wife is dead, and Bianca controls my daughter. I am never to mention my own religion, lest I contaminate her. Felton's face was unreadable, but Milord lord knew he had got to her. Did you know I have a daughter? he said, in the gentlest possible tone, I will never see her again. That is why I'm here, nothing to do with war, or politics, or aliens. The Countess of Clarick has found a way to rid herself of her heir's last surviving parent. I will never leave this tower alive. You will be guarded and protected in accordance with the law, said Felton stubbornly. Milord gave her a wistful, melancholy smile and ate his breakfast. I am sure you believe that, and I respect you for it. When Felton brought Milord lunch, and again when she brought supper, she interrupted the prisoner, standing at the plexiglass windows, singing quietly of the cosmonauts who went to the stars, and of the church who kept them safe once they got there. On the third day of captivity, my lord was quiet over breakfast, eyes lowered to the ground. It was a magnificent performance of humble melancholy. He thought perhaps Felton was going to speak to him. But instead she pressed her mouth tightly closed and took the tray without a word. It was B, and not Felton who brought the lunch tray. "I heard you've switched religions," B. said cheerfully. "Was it your first spouse who put you on to the Church of All? Or is there some other husband or wife I don't know about?" It was tempting to snap back with sarcasm or violence, but Milord could not discount the possibility that Felton and the other guards were watching the exchange. "You are subtle in your interrogation methods," he said calmly. Why are you still here? Isn't there a war to fight? I would have thought charging off to blast lasers at an imagined enemy is exactly your kind of sport. B gave him a frosty smile. I have responsibilities here. You know that I was sent on a mission of vital importance to the war effort. Milord tried. Her Eminence the Cardinal wished me to encourage the Duchess of Buckingham, and new aristocrats like her, new aristocrats like you, to bring reinforcements to Truth Space. It's brave of you to risk the wrath of the most powerful religious leader this solar system has ever known. B laughed at him. You never stop, do you? I know who you are, Faniel. As for the cardinal, she has no more desire to be implicated in your crimes than I. No one is coming to rescue you. You are completely alone. Ha! Huh, said my lord, and gave her a wan smile. You never said a truer thing, be There's no one coming for me, and I have no allies. What he did not say... I am alone. That's what makes me dangerous. Felton brought the supper tray. Once again she found the prisoner at the window, comforting himself with songs of the stars and the early spacefarers. I can, she said, and hesitated. I have permission to bring you tools of worship. A book, perhaps? Milord turned his beautiful face up to hers. "'A knife,' he said. "'If you would really help me, there is a small knife "'hidden in the hem of the jacket I wore when I was brought here. "'It has a sacred star pattern on the hilt. "'The Cardinal herself gave it to me as a gift. "'Bring me that.' "'Felton approached the prisoner as carefully as if she were a wild animal.' "'What would you do with that knife if I gave it to you?' Milord lord allowed a tiny puff of a sigh to escape his lips. "'I promise I will hurt no one but myself.' "'Felton shivered at the very thought of it. "'You can't think I'm going to let you commit suicide.' "'Why not? It's what she wants.' "'The Countess of Claric wants to hand you over to the authorities of the Royal Fleet. "'Alive. "'She made that very clear. "'Ah, yes, the Royal Fleet. "'Not the Combined Fleet. "'And certainly not the Cardinal's own. "'Telling that.' "'Felton's mouth twitched. "'I have no love of musketeers, "'but you must know they serve the Crown's justice. "'They'll be fair with you.' "'Oh, yes,' my lord said. "'Fair. They shall be fair judges, fair juries and fair executioners, "'all rolled together into one, or rather three. "'You know the three, I mean.' "'Ha!' said Felton, rolling her eyes. "'Yes, I have some idea. "'I took a call from the musketeer Aramis "'before I received my official orders to hunt you down. "'They're not my favourite people, and in private life?' "'They barely have the morals of an alley-cat between the three of them. "'But I don't think they would be a threat to an innocent man.' "'It depends on what you mean by innocent,' said Milord, "'and paused precisely so that Felton would encourage him to speak further. "'Do you love the Cardinal Marshal Felton?' "'I believe you served her once.' "'I did,' said Felton. "'I love her still. "'I left Paris Satellite for personal reasons.' You know that the musketeers have an unreasonable hatred for the cardinal and everything she stands for. That's why I have ended up in this awful situation. The Duchess of Buckingham, you know of her? I might have heard her name once or twice, Felton said dryly. She's a monster. She seduced the regents' husband months ago. And now I can't even speak of what she's doing now. Milord stood and stretched his legs. "'I should eat to keep up my strength. "'They will be here for me soon enough.' "'Felton waited impatiently "'while Milord chewed through the dull, rote-printed rations. "'Finally she burst out, "'Of what do you accuse the Duchess?' "'I accuse nothing. It's not my place.' Milord gave her a wry look over one shoulder.' letting his silver hair fall rakishly over one eye. I can't give away all my secrets. But if the cardinal's in danger! Marvelous how Felton had put the story together, all on her own, with only a few steering hints from milord himself. Grave danger. The Duchess of Buckingham has the musketeers wrapped around her little finger. They don't realize the extent of her evil because their hatred of the cardinal makes them blind. Buckingham used that against them. Felton stepped forward to take the tray. I can't... You know I can't let you out, no matter what you say. You must wait and submit yourself to justice. If what you say is true... There will be no trial, said Milord, patting his mouth with a napkin. I will be dead the moment that the musketeers or their representatives arrive to take me, and by then it will be far too late to save her Eminence. As Felton turned to leave, Milord caught her troubled gaze with his own. You will never forgive yourself, he said gently, if I am right and Buckingham's conspiracy succeeds, but God will forgive you. On the fourth day of captivity, Felton brought Milord his knife. I can't give it to you," she said, stumbling over her words. "I can't. The Church of all does not condone suicide, and neither do I. But I thought it has the sacred constellations engraved upon it, and I thought it might bring you some comfort to see it. Milord sat by the window the model prisoner, hands folded submissively in his lap. Perhaps I might hold it for a moment, he asked. You are a strong woman. I know you would stop me if I sought to do violence to myself. But you are right, it has always brought me comfort. Felton hesitated for a moment and handed over the folded knife. Milord squeezed it tightly to his chest and traced the star engravings with his fingertip. You are kinder than I deserve. I would not fear justice at all if you were the judge. Would you like to pray? Felton asked. Milord gave her a sweet, melting smile. I would. They held hands and they prayed together for some time. When it was over, Milord handed the knife back to his jailer and went to eat his breakfast. Felton had not seen the tiny hidden compartment in the knife, nor the silver grain-like beads that Milord poured secretly into his palm. Now at least he had a plan. He would not die here on this rock. Shall I come again? ''To pray with you?'' Felton asked. Milord smiled warmly at her. ''They're watching us,'' he said. ''I worry about you. ''I think once I am dead they will think I had too much opportunity to influence you. ''Why let a single official have so much exposure to me ''if not to have a scapegoat when I'm dead?'' Felton's face crumpled. ''They're not going to kill you,'' she said. We don't execute prisoners, not on any planet in the solar system. Milord gave him a crooked smile. Buckingham wants them all to think I am an alien spy. Everyone knows that the only way to kill a sun-kissed is to cut their head from their body. He turned away as the expre- as if the expression on Felton's face was painful to him. Don't pray with me again. I don't want you to suffer for sympathizing with me." "I'll oh, come, when they're not watching," Felton whispered. "Don't," said Milord, "I'm not worth it." On the fifth day of captivity, the Countess of Clarick delivered the meals to her brother in law. "You have been made a fool, B, he said, as she left after the supper. "Buckingham is using us both, and the musketeers too for a plot that has nothing to do with this planet or our family. When it is done, I will be dead, and you will be left with blood on your hands and nothing to show for it. I knew you were poison when she married you, said B. No, said my lord, and the smile he gave her was very different to the one he'd been using on Marshal Felton. You liked me. That's why you're so angry now. Don't let them do this to our family. B banged his tray out of the room with her, leaving the wine glass behind. It was later, nearly midnight, when Felton came. Milord was ready for her. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. And this podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for up- updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.